Drew, is there? Look out there. He gave me that smile like, I love you. I love you. I felt it. Just come right to me right there when you smiled. If you've not experienced it, then you need to look at him in the eyes because he'll, he'll put that arm around you. I love you. Well, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be able to be here. I'm sad that uh, Bart is having to run so far for me to be able to do that. Now, we're praying for him to be able to finish his course, right, on that day. So I uh, believe God has a lot in store for us this day. So let me have a, just a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into it if we could do that. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything that you have in store for us. Lord, I pray that I can communicate uh, that which is uh, you want us all to hear. Uh, Lord, we bless you. We invite you, Jesus, to be in our midst. We welcome the Holy Spirit who's already been here. Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship the Lord together. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me talk about transitions today, and I'm going to kind of give an illustration at the end and then use it at the, at the beginning and at the end, talk about transitions. There's a lot of them. If you're breathing, you're going through transitions. So hopefully everybody in here is breathing. You're all going through transitions. I want to share just a, a couple, couple of things about transitions. One, how many remember Mr. Rogers? Not me, but Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. All right, what was the first thing he did when he walked in the house? He, he put on a sweater, he did something else, changed his shoes. Why? There was a transition from the outside to the inside. And what I want to share with you today is some of us are keeping on our shoes when we should be changing them. All right, so that's part of what, I mean, you get that image, we keep our shoes on, think, oh, what difference does it make, what difference, I mean, why take the time to change our shoes? What, what is that even about? But I'm, I'm telling you that in transitions, what you're wearing, your shoes, and I'm not talking about your physical shoes, but today I hope that God would give us all just an understanding of new shoes. We, when our kids were small, we put on our walking shoes. There's a little kid song that we sang when they, they were a video, and they, these children were putting on all these shoes that didn't fit them. They were somebody else's shoes, bigger shoes. You need to understand today that part of what I'm talking about, transition, that what you're wearing makes a huge difference. You're saying, well, give me some, some other example in Scripture about that, all right? I'll give you another very simple one. We all know Moses was walking along with a sheep, and he passed a burning bush that was burning, but it was not consumed. And what was the first thing the Lord told him to do after he called him by name? Take off your shoes because you're going to be walking on holy ground. There is a transition, Moses that you are not able to keep on the same shoes that you've been wearing and walk where I'm wanting you to walk. You're going to have to change something. And, and all of us would be sitting there thinking, what difference does the shoes make? It made a big difference for God because he wanted him to understand something about the transition. Where are you going to be walking as holy ground? Where are you going to be walking as holy ground? There's a lot of transitions that have been going on in our lives in the last year and a half. Uh, but, you know, the major transitions, of course, for us occurred last summer, kind of a lot of them all at once. Uh, I started working at Moody Radio and uh, as an announcer in the morning on New Day Cafe. And, and even though I can't see people, I love seeing nods or even nods. It doesn't matter. I just love seeing nods, okay? <laughs> doesn't matter. But on the radio, I don't see any of those. I just see the guy next to me. You know, that's it. And yet, I know the Lord is allowing me to speak to more people than I've ever spoken to before in my life. I know that. And, and some of the things he shares with me, as I share on the radio, I know that God is touching some people's lives through that process. That was a major transition. That was May a year ago. May that happen. And then right after that, David and Elizabeth got married in June. And then we moved out of a house without our knowing where we were going to be living in the next house. And so we had to move out because our soul quicker than when we moved. And so we were living in a barn, literally, last, last summer that I made into a, a thing. I converted it that. So we had about six weeks that we lived in a barn. You talk about transitions. My wife's looking at me like, what are we doing this? New shoes, babe. <laughs> and then in the middle of that, uh, then we do all of our backpack giveaway. And then, and then Jessica married John in, uh, in September. So David in June and Jessica and John in September, me with a new job and all of those transitions and moving into a new house. We did all that in that three-month period. Whew. 
I'm glad that's over with. If you turn to Joshua chapter 1, well, actually, turn to, to Ecclesiastes 7 first. Ecclesiastes 7. You know, it's one of those verses God put in the Bible that had never been there before. I read that, and I'm saying, I know I've read it before, but boy, it sure sounds different now. Ecclesiastes 7. Uh, starting in verse 8. Uh, this is a New American Standard, so it sounds a little different. I got the New Living Translation here, too. I'll do both. But the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Patience of spirit better than toughness of uh, spirit. Haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is that? Or I'm going to do it there. Why is it that the former days are better than the days now? Boy, doesn't that sound like a transition? Yeah, any of us ever thought about former days? Why are the former days better than the days? Don't say that, he says. For it is not from the wisdom that you ask. It is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wow. I'm sitting there thinking, did he really put, when did that happen? It's not wisdom to sit there and talk about the former days that are better than these days. Now, all of us, if you're in transition, could easily say, but the former days are better than where I'm at right now in transition. Living in a barn doesn't seem like that's better than where I was living. Right? So we could easily say, boy, Solomon didn't know what he was talking about when he was talking in Ecclesiastes about this thing of transition. Because we could look around us and we'd say that if... We didn't understand the shoes that God was wanting us to wear at that particular time. So now you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at some of the aspects of transition and what God's doing in that and then how we can walk through it and get new shoes. Joshua chapter 1 starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I'm giving you, giving to them, to the people of Israel. First point in transition happens right here. You, you, that transition is, is that there's an end to the past. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua didn't have any control over that. He didn't say, you know what, this would be a lot easier. Moses, I've been your right-hand man. When we go in to take the land, why don't you just go ahead and lead, and I'll stay right here with you because I love when you're leading. I get to hang out in the tent while you're going to do another stuff. I get to be where God is and the glory of God. Let's just keep it that way. But God was doing a new thing in Joshua's life, and in order for him to do that, he needed to understand that there was an end. Now, with the end, as always, an end is uh, like the death of a person. There's grief. There's anger, there's shock, there's all kinds of things that happen when you and I go through transitions. Many times those transitions were not our fault, they came upon us, but there's an end. And it's important for you to recognize at some point that that end is happening. In other words, Joshua grieved Moses' death, and, and there may be an end to all kinds of things that happen. There may be an end to your job, it may be an end to, a, well, just transitions in life. You know, a lot of us, we've been walking together since 93, 94, 95, 96, a lot of you in here, we've been walking together that long. And so we are all changing and transitioning. Our children are growing up. They're getting married. Some are coming here to church. Some are going to other places. And that's some transition. You may be thinking, boy, I liked it when we were all together and I knew where all my kids were. And, and this is, you know, I had that kind of thing. And, but transitioning is happening to every one of us. Part of that transition may be your family. Part of the transition may also be your physical life. My hair is not the same color it was 20 years ago. In fact, when Melody was giving me a shave yesterday and it was falling off, I said, I think it's turning white. It's no longer gray. I think it's changing even more, holding that hair in my hand. Transitions are happening to us, and we can remember and not only just the, that part of physically, but what about getting up in the morning? See, when you're young, kids, you don't worry about it. Maybe you're tired. That's the extent of your getting up in the morning. When you get a little older, 
Let me get a little older. See, everybody's laughing there. I'm going to get a little older. Getting up in the morning is a whole new experience. I mean, you're getting up and you're, you're starting to think, man, I've got to make sure everything's working before I even start to get out of bed. I mean, you start, you just kind of like, and, and you get up and, I mean, you're thinking, am I standing up straight? I don't think so. Did I sleep okay last night? No. I mean, all of those things, your body is, is physically transitioning. And see, if you're, if you're going to miss what God's doing in the future, you're going to keep saying, oh, I wish I was back when I was younger and I had vitality. Now, you can continue to pray for strength. I believe that God told Caleb he was just as strong when he went, went into the uh, new land as he was. So you can continue to pray. I'm not saying you have to resign yourself to negativity, but I'm saying you can't keep saying, I wish I was 20. That's what I'm saying. Is that in that transition of life that as part of that, you begin to see God present right where he is. And so that first thing is recognizing that there is an end. And that's hard. I mean, all the emotions of grief and everything that come with an end are present. And some people are denial. That's part of grief. Man, I don't want to even think about that anymore. I don't want to think that, that things are changing. Why are they changing? What happened? But understanding that there's an the end, just like here, Moses is dead... Now, Joshua, I've got something different for you to do. Let's keep reading verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot, back to new shoes, that you will tread upon I have given you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river. Verse 5. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that law Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command these people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go into in to take possession of the land that your Lord your God has given you to possess. I added that last part on because it showed you another aspect of transition is that now Joshua's commanding the people and they're having to do what he told them to do about commanding that. All right, so we see that the first thing that there's an end and there's grief and there's that all that would experience. And depending on the transition, there would be different levels of grief, right? But, but there is an end. We are not to look back and say, boy, I wish Moses was still here. We're to go forward. The second thing that happens in transition, is, and specifically in this verse, is when you begin to notice that God is with you in the transition, you're beginning to work through it. He said several times in here, As I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. Now, think about some of the people here that uh, Joshua is with. Forty years ago, they were standing at the same place and said, we're not going to go into the promised land. And God came and said, everybody 20 and under, you're safe. Everybody 20 and older, you're going to die within the next 40 years. Everybody 20 and under. So the group that is here are the ones that, that experienced things, but they were 20 years and younger. Where would that put them now? That put them anywhere from 40, those that experienced anywhere from 40 to 60. Those ages are important. I mention those because a lot of us are in that age group. And we could, I could tell you, if I sit down with some of you that were in movements of God in the past, you can remember when you were teenagers and you'll say, wow, now God was moving in that church when I was, when I was a teenager. The fire of God was all over the place. I mean, people, it was, and you could just start describing it and you hear this about what God did when you were teenagers. We're not teenagers anymore. Now, there are some teenagers in here. I understand that. Let the fire of God be with you. Just one other thing about fire. Just was reading the other day, by the way. Some of us remember fire, and then it kind of comes and fades. The person said, man, I want to be like the burning bush. 
that the fire of God consumed it, but it was not consumed. That's, that's the difference between natural fire and God's fire. Listen to that. He saw the fire on the branches, but it was not consumed. When God wants to extend his fire into any one of our lives, it doesn't have to burn out. It doesn't have to have a up and down. It could be a sustaining fire, which is his spirit. In fact, Jesus, remember what John the Baptist said? When he comes, he said, I'll baptize you with water. But when he, the Messiah, comes, he'll baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. I want some of that. I want that to be continuous in my life. I want it to be continuous in your life, in those transitions. That we not look back and say, God, I just want what was. I want what you have for me here, right now, in the future. And it's not just that we deny what happened in the past. It is understanding that God is present in our future, in your future. All right, so let me give you some, some practical things and stuff um, of where I am specifically. And uh, some of you have heard of these things and some haven't, but just to share with you. Uh, in the end of June, our rent in our building that we were in was just pretty expensive and our resources were pretty low. We were still baptizing people. We were still doing all kinds of things in Tuscaloosa Life Church. That's what I'm referring to, some of you, Pastor Tuscaloosa Life Church. And so in that, as we were looking at that, we knew we needed to move out of the building, transition. Uh, with it, I asked that we would pray together about what God was doing in the future with us. How was he going to transition us into the future? And basically, as I saw it at that point, I saw three things that God could do with us. Uh, one, that we could do kind of a restart in another place, continue and do some things there. Uh, two, we would just dissolve and just people go where, wherever. Or three, we could merge with another church based on our resources. And so we prayed throughout the summer determining to do that. Um, it sounds a little more spiritual to say all the way pray. We struggled through the summer trying to determine what God was saying to do with all that. As I prayed, I knew, man, I could look back. And I knew from my wealth of understanding and things, I could say, here's how we need to restart. Here's what needs to happen. Here's how you create a vision. Here's what churches are doing. You could, you know, and I had all the, I had that wisdom. And as I continued to move in that direction, God said, you could do that, but I won't be with you. And I said, but that doesn't make sense, God. I don't understand the transition. What do you mean you won't be with me if I continue to do? Didn't you start Tuscaloosa Life Church? Isn't this what we're all doing? What's this about? And I, I just continually heard him say, but I'm not going to be with you if you do it. I mean, you can do it. It'll work. There'll be some aspect of it working, but that's not where I'm leading you. Well, he didn't go on and say, I'm leading you to this. <laughs> that's the one part I was missing there as I was reading it. He just said, I'm not going to do this if you continue. And so as we prayed about it, there's another church in, in our city that the pastor and I are very good relationally. Uh, they do have a lot of similarities as far as ministry in the city that we've done. They've actually helped us on a lot of the projects when we do the backpacks. Their church is one of the ones that come and bring people with it. And, and uh, so I've really enjoyed that particular pastor he and I have talked and prayed together and uh, just really sense that we're going to be merging in uh, with it. It's called Real Hope. It was Tuscaloosa Church of God. They changed their name on there. And so we're going to be transitioning into their church. Um, it doesn't mean I'm on staff. I don't, you know, sometimes there's merger. It's kind of like, uh, how do you get all of it together? To me, we're just getting together. I'm not worried about the, how God does staff positions and things like that. There's an element there where my wife and I are still continuing our ministry in the city. That's a big part of that, uh, what we, we're doing. I mean, we've ministered in the city through a lot of different ways. Um, specifically, I'm working with, or say working with, that sounds better. I'm encouraging pastors in the city. And God has given me a role uh, to come along beside pastors. Part of my gift mix is to encourage people. And, and having been a been a pastor for years and years, I understand how to do that, and so that's one of the roles that I'm doing is going there. We're going to have a pastor's prayer summit in a couple of weeks, and uh, which I'm putting together and, and really uh, asking God to do something within our pastors. We, in our city, we do a lot of good things, but we all do them in our own silos. 
and we're not really working together. We're not necessarily against each other, but we're just all in our own silos. And I'm really asking the Lord to teach us how to come together and still continue to do what God's called us to do, but also see his work come together. Just a very simple thing is that we all know that God moves in behalf of revival for prayer, right? We, we've heard. It, when people start praying, God sends revival. But the one thing it seems like it's really hard for us to do is to get together to pray. So we can see why is God not sending revival? It's partly because of our lack of prayer. So I'm calling the pastors together to pray. Um, so as I'm walking through this transition... Uh, with that, there was, uh, I'll just give you some simple things that God's done. There was one guy in our church that uh, was needy, and uh, you know, I didn't know how he would fit in another place. Anyway, we, when we visited Real Hope, uh, a couple weeks later, we said, oh, hey, we're going to have a meeting here at the park. We're going to kind of get together. And he said, not me. I said, what do you mean, not you? He said, I'm staying here at Real Hope. And said, you know, if you guys determine what you're doing, he said, but I like it here. And God just showed me. I could place people however I want to do it without your assistance, Greg. You know, I mean, it just he said, I could take care of They're my sheep before they were ever your sheep. I could place people and put them in. I, and that was one of the guys I thought he's going to have a hard time finding somebody to connect with. And the, he was one of the first ones. I was like, huh, okay, I can see how this is working. And uh, so transitions like that, as you're going through it, first the end and I'm telling you, my wife and I are still walking through the grieving process. I mean, I just tell you, it's, it's tough. We're saying, okay, why? God's not giving us the answers to why yet, but we're still going through part of that process. The thing that Joshua did next after understanding that the Lord was with him, and you saw several times, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night. You may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then success. Another part of transitions about the whole thing of new shoes and all that is you're not going to find what God's doing apart from staying connected to his word. Reading it a lot. Let me just tell you what we normally do. We talk to other people to try to find out what God's doing. We try to get somebody else to say, what do you think God's doing? And we start talking a lot, a lot, a lot. We talk to everybody except God and his word. It was very clear in this transition that, that God told Joshua, look, you stay connected to the word. Meditate on it day and night because it will lead you. It will help guide you in the transitions. You can't. You can't ever negate what God's doing apart from his word. But I'm telling you, when we start going through and we start thinking about former days or even looking ahead, if we're doing it apart from spending a lot of time hearing God through his word, we're missing the very aspect of the transition that God's wanting to put in our lives. For most of us, when it comes to reading the word, we hear it, but we could probably put... The reading of the word in minutes of our day. Maybe we read a devotional that has one verse that we meditate on. But it's hard. I think it's going to be hard for us to be able to tell God, I had time for so many other activities in my life, but I didn't have time to read your word. And that's not a condemnation. It means this is the answer to our transitions. This is the answer to the things that we're going through, and we're doing everything else but spending time in the answer book. Spending time reading and talking to him about what he's doing, gaining his voice, and what he's saying in our lives. So we need to spend time in the book, lots of time in the book, depending on the level of transition that you're going in. Meditate on it day and night means quite a bit. And I can tell you, I'm guilty. It's much easier for me to turn on the TV and just say, forget about everything, than it is to say, I need to spend some time alone and quiet in your word. So these transitions are come for all of us, but, you know, what is God doing in our lives in each one of us? So I've got one more scripture, I think. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, be our last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
starting in verse 12. Paul is talking about, in the context of this particular chapter, he's talking about the Old Covenant, which was written, we would call it the law today, the Old Covenant he's talking about, which was glorious, but it ended up producing death in us. In other words, love the Lord your God, you know, he would say, love him only, do not commit adultery, and all of us would go, well, we've done that wrong. And so it brought death, it brought a part of us to realize that we are not holy. That's what the law does. When the law is proclaimed, and it should be proclaimed, it shows us that we are not holy as God is holy. It produces death. But he's saying, he's trying to compare, and he's saying, man, all those laws were good. Even though they showed death, they were good, and that was glorious, man. God writing on the, the, the stone tablets and all that came with them. It's a big deal when God gave the Ten Commandments. He said, if that was glorious about how all that came to pass, and even it produced it, how much more will the fact that you and I, that you and I experience the new birth of Jesus Christ be even more glorious? If, if, if in the, all the movie of the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, if that was a big deal, how much more when you receive the new covenant that Jesus talked about in your life How much more glory is that going to be talked about? That's the context of where he picks up here. Starting in verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. That is the reason, by the way, when you're sharing the gospel with someone and you, and you think they don't get it, there's a veil. There's a veil that just keeps people saying, I'll never be good enough for God. I'll never be good enough for God. Uh, and, and then we begin to think, well, how can I try to be good enough for him? And we begin to work out our own salvation. That's the veil that he's talking about there. That veil needs to be moved away, and it can only be done through Christ. So when you're witnessing with someone, and you begin to talk with them, you're asking for Christ to remove that veil. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another, For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, no matter where you are on this continuum of transitions, the point is is that we, as Christians, are being transformed from glory into another stage of glory. In other words, we're beginning to look more and more like Christ, which means no matter what transition you're going through, God's purpose is is that He is painting the image and and causing you to look more and more like Christ. You know, the fun thing about all of our kids around here, and and everybody else could see it differently, I see your kids and I think, wow, that looks just like you as a parent. When you see my kids, you're going, you look just like Greg. I'm thinking, well, I don't know if they look just like me in the same way, you know. Here, being transformed from glory to glory is that as we're walking through these transitions, we should begin to look more and more like Jesus. He's using those transitions, every one of us, every one of those transitions, he's using to to tear away, to pull away. I tell you, the thing that surprised me as I grew older was how much pride was in my life. Other people, you know? And the closer you get to the Lord, you're seeing that the pride is utterly disgustful. It has no place with, with, with Christ. He considers others more important than himself. Let that mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to get a hold of. That's pride. He humbled himself and became obedient, even to death, death on the cross. Let that mind be in you that you see other people as more important than yourself. And so the transition that God's doing, no matter what it is, there. Now, back to the shoes. Back to the whole thing about the shoes. Right? So I told you I'd start there. We're going to come back to the shoes. I want to do a couple of things. If you've got a piece of paper, I'm going to give you just a little image for you. If you've got a piece of paper, if you don't, you can just write it on your hand, in the palm of your hand, right? Inscribe it on the palm of your hand. Not literally write on your hand. You can do that. But I want you to get three points. 
Very simple three points. You, one, you can put up. You can put God there. Another one, in. That's myself. And then another point, put out, and that's others. So up, in, out. Right? Very simple triangle. Up should be at the top, by the way. Just like, you know, you could turn your triangle however you want. Just wanted to do that. All right, you got it? Now put, a, put another dot right in the very middle of all three of those dots. All right, you could draw a line to the dots and however you want just to, out, right? From the middle one you draw it to the top and out to the side. So you're going to have kind of a line going to all three of those dots. Here's what I want you to think about as far as, far as transitions. If you had a number between 1 and 10 that you could put about your spiritual relationship with the Lord, where would you put it on that line, that middle dot going to the top? Where would you put it? Would you put a 5? Would you put like 7? Would you put a 9? I'm really, really close to the Lord. Would you put like a, a 1? Like I don't spend any time as far as my relationship with the Lord. Where would you put it? Coming out to the one where it says in. In your own in and, and, and yourself, where would you put as far as just how you feel about what God's doing in your life? Not so much your relationship with Him, but just your effectiveness of in. I'm going to show you how this works with a lot of different scenarios. And the last one is out. Out. That's ministry. That's the things you're doing outwardly. That's all the outward side. So let's, let's give an example. Let's talk about your family. Is your family having a close relationship with the Lord? Are you leading them in the Lord? Is your family nurturing the relationships with inside themselves? And are you as a family really ministering and taking time to work with other people outside of your family? It's just an example. I'm going to use that illustration there. But when you're talking about transitions, you're going to begin to see as you look at those, some of the places you get stuck. Because some of the things you'll see, your numbers, boy, you begin to see kind of like, wow, I'm really stuck right here as those numbers begin to reveal as you relate on what those things are. So back to your walking shoes. You're going to put them on today? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. When I was uh, in about 11 or 12 years old, I, went to, I was bad, grew up Baptist, and I went to RA camp. I said that to my daughter the other day, and she's like, what is RA camp? And I'm thinking, she's missed a whole section of my life. And uh, it's Royal Ambassadors. It was just the boys' side of the Baptist. The girls in action, GAs, were the other side. So it was the RA. So I went to an RA uh, camp that they held for us during the summer. At the end of it, we had an opportunity to uh, cash in prizes if you've been good. And I wasn't that good, but I had some money to cash in. And I cashed in, and I went, and I, I got a um, moccasins kit. In other words, it was just to had the stuff in there, and then you were going to have to thread the uh, string all the way around the leather, all the way around the straps you there, and do that. So I said, I think that'd be kind of cool. So I took that home. I'm no longer at the camp. Now I'm back at home. And I take my time and I do the soles first, you know, there. And then you got the top part and all those. And this is back in the 70s, you know, so we were real cool back then anyway. And um, so I was like, am I going to be bold enough to wear this to school? Leather, moccasins that I created myself. Am I going to be able to put those on, you know? And, uh, and so sure enough, I did. I mean, there wasn't hardly any soles at the bottom of this at all either. It was like walking in socks almost. But I did it. And I, I can remember some people sitting there thinking, what are you wearing? <laughs> and uh, so I, I created those, but I was bold enough to wear them in a place that nobody else knew about RA camp. Nobody else cared that it was uh, something I made. I wore it out in public. When I'm talking about these shoes that you're wearing, you're going to get some of the same reaction. Other people don't care whether you have spiritual shoes on or not. They don't care that you're going to be trying to do something new in your life. They're going to see from a new perspective. They're going to say things like, well, you're just trying to be positive. They're going to say things about you, and you may be tempted to say, you know what, this isn't working, I'm going to take them off. I heard Greg, and I've tried it, and it didn't work. But I'm telling you, when he said this thing about the soles of your foot, everywhere you put the soles of your feet, he said that you will possess the land, that God's purpose in these transitions is that he wants to bring his kingdom life to wherever you are standing. Wherever you are standing. 
So when you go home, and home may not be a fun place for you. Home may be a place of disarray. Home may be a place of contention. Home may be a place where people get angry and, and people don't forgive each other. And you're saying, I, yeah, I'm just saying this is what happens in homes. When you walk in with your new shoes today, I want you to see that you're bringing the kingdom of God in that midst, right in the middle of all that transition that doesn't seem like it's working. And you're standing there and you say, uh, much like uh, uh, the one Corey did, boom, I'm going to draw a circle and say, God, bring revival here. And it was just here. At least that part, revival could occur. And with your new shoes, and you may be in, like I said, in homes where it just doesn't work. You try to be nice. You try to do that, and your spouse doesn't respond appropriately. You've prayed over your kids, and your kids are rebelling. And the more that you try to lean into them, it seems the more that they rebel. And you remember that you have these new shoes on. And you remember that God says, I've got a purpose for you and glory and glory. And as I step into these purposes, I'm going to bring about what I desire to bring about because you bring the kingdom of God with you. Everywhere you put your soles or your feet, you may go to work and you say, I don't have one other person at work that believes like I believe. And you bring your souls or your feet and you sit there and say, God, would you bring salvation to at least somebody else at work? Would you allow them to understand that money's not going to be the answer to all their problems? And so you begin praying for work. And you, maybe you only have one little area that you're in control of at work or one little area you're in control of at school. And you say, I can't, there's so many people, man, there's so much going on. You just ask God, wherever you put your feet, that you bring the light of Christ in that arena. And God's going to be continually transforming you, but you have that authority wherever you put your feet. You say, well, no, you have the authority wherever you put your feet. The transition that God is doing in your life, he wants you to walk in that authority to be able to stand there in that place. Maybe it is at school, and you just, the teacher is just constantly coming against the Christian faith. You don't have to convert the teacher. You just have to ask for the kingdom of God to come where you're standing. And I guarantee you, as we continue to do this and we bring this about, we are fulfilling the, the mandates of Christ because he said the kingdom of God is near you, and he wanted us to go and preach the kingdom. And that's what you're doing when you stand there, and you don't have to say a whole lot out loud. You just say, God, would it be right here? Now, the fun part about being in church groups is that when we go together, guess what happens? It multiplies the kingdom space. Right, So when you go out ministering two by two, it's not just the here, it's there plus what they're carrying with you. You're going together, you're, you're expanding God's kingdom when you go together as a church group. Just share one other aspect about a church. When somebody said, Greg, why did Tuscaloosa life end up where, it, was that what God wanted? My answer is no. I don't mean that God can't use what he wants to do. I mean, he can't use the transition. But there are times when we make circumstances, God uses all those things, but that isn't necessarily what God wanted. And I'll share this one thing for you. In 2008, we went through a transition from one building to another transition. It was, it was exciting. I mean, we were growing, had 100-something people there. You, know, it was, you could feel the momentum really kind of growing in this new location that we were in. I was excited. And so I can remember sitting in a, in a room and asking the adults there, and uh, the question came up, what do we do next? What's the vision for TLC? And we had just started some small, a small group. We had about 20 people in it. We'd started, God had, had done some uh, miracles and healing. I mean, he was moving in that small group. I said, we're going to continue with these small groups. I'll train leaders. I said, we're going to continue that. And one of the persons said, no, now that we've got a building, we want to kind of use it kind of like more Sunday school kind of stuff. We don't really want to take time to do the small groups. And I shriveled. I didn't obey the voice of the Lord. When it said, do not be dismayed and do not be discouraged, I was dismayed and discouraged. And if I look back to one thing that I didn't do right, it was maintain the fact that God wants us to grow through relationships. Now, we still did tons of other stuff and lots of ministry, people set free, people saved, lots of things, but we never did recapture that element of small groups. And I share that with you for this reason. 
in the transition that I'm going through now, we've had an opportunity to visit churches. You know, we go around different churches intentionally, not just kind of like saying, we'd like to visit. Normally a pastor has no opportunity to ever go visit other churches. And so we were visiting other churches. And a couple things I noticed about other churches, uh, one specifically. We as Christians, for the most part, are not very friendly. (laughs) I'm just saying... There was one church I went into, and I'm thinking, I am, I am coming here because I want to be here. But if I didn't want to be here, I don't think I'd ever come back. I mean, it just felt so cold. And I know part of that is because you may be sitting next to a, a, another guest who's wondering why they're not, why you're not being nice. Both guests sitting together. I got it. That person didn't even say hello to me. We're both visitors, Right. So I got, I got that's, that's definitely, that is a truism. For churches that are growing, that happens. I mean, a visitor sits next to another visitor and says, that was the coldest person in that church I've ever met. Yeah, that was their first Sunday, too. That's what they said about you when they left. <laughs> but I say that to say, you have no idea how much interacting with a guest and I don't mean over the top, just interacting with a guest, how much that can make a difference in their life. That's the first step. The second step I notice in churches is like ours, is that if you do not get connected in a small group, when the time of transition comes, you are standing alone. But when the time of transition comes and you're in relationship with other people, it makes a huge difference. And so that's an intentionality on your part. Somebody may not come to you. They may or may ask to invite you in, but you, you pursue relationships. You pursue them. Pursue relationships over meals. Pursue relationships over going to outings together. You pursue those. God is present. If you look at the life of Jesus, it only records him being in church a few times in the synagogue. The majority of Jesus' life with his disciples was doing life with them. Just doing life with them. Cause that closeness to that relationship. If you're not doing life with other people, I can guarantee you, you are walking in the plan of the enemy to isolate you. And when we're isolated, we start saying things like, nobody at that church cares about me. We start saying things like, God, I feel all alone. And and you would be feeling probably right if you're isolated. So I'm encouraging you, listen, in your new shoes... Be intentional in getting in relationship with other people. So I've tried. It just doesn't really work. Do it. Continue to do it. You be found faithful. And if all it is is that you go eat lunch with people a bunch, do that. Eat a meal. But find a way to do life together. And, uh, and, and constantly be thinking not so much about me, but I wonder if that person over there is doing life together. I wonder if that person over there is doing life. I wonder if anybody's called them in the last month. I wonder, and you just start thinking about other people as you look across the, this church body, and you start looking and you're saying, I wonder if they feel connected. And you just start calling and talking with them. Just tell them you appreciate them. Tell them you're thankful for what they shared the past Sunday. Uh, tell them that you, it was good to see them at church. I mean, those things of hospitality, those things of just genuineness of accepting each other is part of what makes the body of Christ work. In the chapter of Acts, it said they met in the temple courts and they met house to house. They met in both places doing life together is one of the things that made that transition. All right, let me close it up. You've heard that I'm going through transition. I've shared with you openly some of my life. But what about you? Some of you, vocationally, you said, you know what? I want to be here when I'm at such and such an age in life, and you're not. Some of you are. Some of you young people just starting out, you're thinking you want to know where to go to college. Some of you are in college. You're just out of college, and you're saying, what am I going to do with my life? You're in major transition. Major transition. In, in many ways, when you're like that, you feel like you're all alone. What I want you to say is you're never alone. Joshua 1, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be bold. He's with you wherever you go. Even if you don't know the answer to the next step, 
Don't lean on on your own understanding, but uh, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. He'll guide your next step. His word is a lamp unto your feet. Listen to how much he's talking about our feet. Will you bow your heads? Lord, we acknowledge that uh, it's so much easier to say about putting on new shoes, about walking in your presence than it is tomorrow when we have to face all the yuck in our lives. Lord, I pray that the scriptures that are read this morning begin to imprint on our mind and our heart that what you said to Joshua is true for us today. That in Christ, the Lord is with us. Wherever we go. Imprint that on our mind and our heart. That at every moment of the day, Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But will be with us wherever we go. So Lord, I pray. I pray today, God, as we are needing encouragement from your word, needing encouragement to about what you're doing in our lives and in our church and in our families and in our job. Lord, as we need encouragement, I pray, God, that you begin to impart that now. Right at this moment. Lord, there's somebody out there that's saying they're too bad to get new shoes. And that's a lie of the enemy right now. That is a lie. God loves each one of us so intimately that if you'll but ask, he'll allow you to walk in new shoes. See, it's not really about you. It's about his promises about his faithfulness it's about his purposes being fulfilled in your life it's about who he wants us to reach out to through you he hears wow Lord as I'm praying I'm just hearing some things that uh the enemy saying, and some of you, he, he hears your cries. Some of you said you've been crying out for the same thing for years. And the Lord's saying, he hears your cry. He is walking with you. You've been crying out for the same thing. You're wondering if it will ever change. The Lord says, I'm giving you new shoes for you to know that I'm with you, and that the kingdom of God is expanding around you. Lord says, don't underestimate the words of encouragement from another. Say, well, I know people tell me that. Don't say it that way. The words of encouragement from another brother and sister may very well be the voice of the Lord. Would you receive it differently if Jesus were standing there saying it to you? Look back over those words of encouragement as you've walked through your transition. Many of those are the voice of Jesus Christ. And we're continuing to try and figure it out another way. Lord, would you help those that have been walking through it and are discouraged? 
very discouraged, wondering if it's ever going to change. So much so that they are losing hope that it will change. So much so that they quit talking about it and they're just discouraged. Lord, I pray right now the fire of the burning bush will begin to consume their heart once again. Some of you, because of uh, not understanding the love of the Father, as He's beginning to communicate some of this to you, it's a little hard to receive, but trust that our Heavenly Father loves us and wants to make Himself known to us through Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. knowing the experiences you had have had he still loves you and has a plan for good and not to harm you to give you a hope in the future stand and as we do we just want to give you an opportunity if you want someone else to agree with you about new shoes and speak words of encouragement over you we want to give you an opportunity to receive ministry you may want some other type of ministry you may just want someone to pray for healing for you but we're going to give an opportunity for the Lord to uh, speak his life and his love over us at this time so just invite you forward invite the ministry teams forward have someone agree with you about new shoes or specifically in in those areas or if you wanted healing. 